0: Good morning, Grace City Ottawa, and a very happy new year to you. I hope you've had a very uh, peaceful and blessed Christmas uh, break. And at the start of a new year of 2021, we're beginning a new sermon series looking at the life of David. And obviously, David was a very important uh, character in the Bible, and there's a lot we can learn from his life. So we're going to start today in... 1 Samuel chapter 16 which is where the prophet Samuel uh, anoints David to be king through to the end of the book of 1 Samuel where where Saul is uh, where Saul dies and we'll probably spend most of the Sundays between now and Easter working our way through the second half of the book of 1 Samuel and even though this is a series about ancient history I think there is a lot for us to learn. There is a lot of modern relevance for us today in the 21st century. Uh, So this, this will help shape our lives as well. Just as God looked to shape the life of David through events and things that happened to him, so today the Holy Spirit is looking to shape our lives and transform us, change us more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. So let's get straight to uh, the passage today. I've called today's talk, uh, God Makes Surprising Choices. So we're going to read through 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1 to 13. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he'll kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord and invite Jesse to the sacrifice. And I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me him whom I declare to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, do you come peaceably? And he said, peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice and he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice when they came he looked on Eliab and thought surely the Lord's anointed is before him but the Lord said to Samuel do not look upon his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him for the Lord sees not as a man sees And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but behold, he's keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes, and he was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David. From that day forward, and Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. So this is quite a well-known passage in the Bible, and I want to pull out today what is its relevance. What does it really mean for us today, uh, in the 21st century? And I'm going to go through three things here. I've, I've first called called the first: what is true beauty. Uh, What about us? And then an example of true beauty. That's kind of where we're heading with this. So the first heading I've got here, what is true beauty? What what is it here? What's going on in this passage? And verse six to seven is kind of the heart of the teaching of the passage. So verse six says uh, the firstborn Eliab, Eliab comes in and is before Samuel. And Samuel's thinking, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. And you can understand why, because it says that this this, uh, man is tall, he's kind of well-built, he's handsome, uh, he's the firstborn. And therefore, he would have been expected to succeed. Potentially, this is the right candidate to be the king. It kind of all makes sense. And then we see this kind of shocking verse 7 where the Lord says to Samuel, no, 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 don't look on his appearance, don't look about the fact he he might look okay, that's not the issue here, or on his height, That's, that's not the issue here, or his stature, how well built he might, how many muscles he might have, that's not the issue here, the Lord looks upon the heart, not the outward appearance. So, okay, so then verse eight, we've read again. So Jesse then calls the next son in, Abinadab, and he goes by and no, the Lord's not chosen him. And then he goes on uh, to verse nine to Shammah, the next one, no, 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 it's not him. And by verse 10, uh, we read that Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. It's like seven. Samuel, you're looking at the wrong things. That's kind of what's happening here. This is what's coming through. The prophet Samuel has been spoken to by by God. He said, no, no, Samuel, you're looking at the wrong things here. And as humans, we have an instinct to judge who should be taken seriously. Uh, Even Samuel's getting it wrong here. Even God, in in a sense, is having to give Samuel a lesson here. And The key thing I want us to hear today, one of the key things is is that God sees truly or rightly and always looks at internal beauty, not the external. God always sees truly and he always looks at internal beauty. The external is pretty temporary what happens internally can last forever the external kind of passes away God's kind of saying Samuel don't get distracted here by external beauty by success by what seems like talent or it's what matters in the heart what are the motives what's going on what's driving someone's decisions here and today uh, this is a real problem. It's been an issue, I would say, down through the ages of time. But today, our culture has kind of intensified this as an issue. And you say, well, why is that? Well, I think it's because of technology. It's like te- technology is, in a way, taken over from ideas. So, so people used to be judged on, used to be voted on, certainly, as what are the ideas? Now it's so much more on appearance and image. Social media. My goodness, we live in a culture that is obsessed with image. If you look now, even like Instagram and 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 TikTok are kind of taking over from Facebook because it's all about videos, about image on videos and photographs. It's like Facebook. You can add some photos, but you've got to write some things as well. It's like no, no. It's image. It's all image. It's the power of photos. And, and advertising today is just bombarding us. It's just coming at us. It's dominated by images that are before us all the time. We live in an image-dominated culture more than any time in, in the history of the world, without any, any doubt at all. So this is supremely relevant for us. So God is saying, no, I'm not looking on the outward appearance. I'm not looking on a photo of these people. I'm, I'm looking at what's going on inside We've got, we've got to hear that message today. Let me just ask you some questions. As we come into the start of a new year, are you less prone to selfishness than you were a year ago? See, inner in, in beauty is a selfless life that looks out for others. Are you less prone to envy than you were a year ago are you less prone to pride are you less prone to self-pity are you less sensitive to self-criticism what's happening on the inside of you are you changing are you is the inside of you becoming more like Christ is it becoming more beautiful Or we can so easily fall into the trap of the culture is I've got to look right externally. I've got to say the right things. I've got to do the right things. I've got to look a certain way. And this passage screams at us. It shouts at us and says that's not how the God of the Bible looks at these things. Are you wiser than you were a year ago? Are you making wiser decisions? Are you happier than you were a year ago? Are you less anxious and less fearful than you were a year ago? What's happening on the inside of you? See, these things will really set the course of your life. These things will really shape you. Do you know how to love others better than you did a year ago? Do you know how to receive love better than you did a year ago? This is what inner beauty is about. This is what it means when God says, no, no, Samuel, I'm I'm looking on the inside. I'm looking at the heart. It's good for us to stop at the beginning of this year and say, how am I doing with this? Because we could all get caught up very easily in this image dominated culture. And the God of the Bible, in his kindness, causes us to stop and say, No, no, I'm much more interested in inner beauty. How are you being formed on the inside? See, that's true beauty. That's what the Bible says is true beauty. That's what really matters. Are you becoming less focused on yourself and more focused on others? Are you becoming kinder? Are you becoming more generous? True beauty. What is true beauty? What about us? See we think we know a lot about beauty and ugliness. It's what society does today and the Lord has to come here in verse 7 and say no Samuel you're getting it wrong. I'm re- it's not about the stature of the person. It's not about their appearance. It's not about their height. I'm not looking as people see. I'm, I'm, I'm looking on the heart not the outward appearance and to to bring this forward right into the New Testament you see Jesus comes this is what Jesus does he comes and turns the ideas of the world completely upside down he he breaks in with this new kingdom and says no 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 it's different and he keeps saying it and he keeps saying it again and often people aren't understanding him we find crowds drifting away from him "This, this is too difficult this is too strange This is too weird. What's happening here? He's breaking into the values of the age and that's what happens today. The gospel hasn't changed. The power and the relevance of scripture keeps breaking in today into society and into our lives. See I look through some of the things that Jesus said. The way that he turned things upside down. In Luke 9 he says the least among you will be the greatest. It's this is upside down kingdom, the least of the greatest. Matthew 20 he says the last will be first and the first will be last. In Mark 9, uh, 35, the disciples are kind of having this conversation about who's the greatest. Who's going to sit next to Jesus in, in the kingdom of heaven? Who's going to be on his left and right? And who's going to be closest? And Jesus has to say to them, if anyone wants to be first, he must be last of all and a servant of all. That's challenging. That goes against the culture of this world. Matthew 10, 39, Jesus says, lose your life for my sake, lose your life for my sake and you'll find it. And the world goes, What? That's nonsense. No, the Bible's clear. You, if you really want things to last, if you really want change, if you really want to enter into this kingdom that Jesus brings, it's like you let go of everything to get it back. You sow a seed in the ground, it dies, but then it produces much fruit. This is this kingdom. We look at the teaching of Jesus, what's called the Beatitudes in Matthew's gospel. He he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. What? Blessed are the poor in spirit? The world says, I don't think so. They're not blessed. They're miserable. Blessed are those who mourn. The the, the world says, no, you're not blessed if you mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. The world goes, I'm not sure about this. This is strange. This is upside down kingdom and God keeps breaking in to the way we think. Let's come back to our passage in 1 Samuel 16, verse 11. It says, then Samuel says to Jesse, uh, are all your sons here? It's like they've all passed before in these seven. And the Lord's going, no, it's not any of these. And Samuel's going, um, are they all here? Because I can imagine Samuel's a bit confused at this point. It's like Lord what are you doing here you God you brought me to this place to anoint the new king and you're saying it's not any of them what 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 do you what do you want me to do so he says, are they all here and he said this is Jesse he said yeah there remains the youngest but behold he's keeping the sheep and we can hear that and kind of gloss over it and we don't really understand what what's going on here the significance of what's being said here you see, he doesn't even name him, Jesse. He hasn't even got a name. You can imagine him going down the list of the seven. Yeah, yeah this is Abinadab. Yes, this is Shamma. Yes, this is Aliab. And yeah, goes down the list. Oh yeah, there is another one, but he's, he's out there somewhere. We're not sure. He, he's out in the field. He's looking after some sheep. Doesn't even get a name. Doesn't even get a name. And God's, by the Holy Spirit, is kind of shouting through this passage. Samuel as I believe he's speaking to us today, the start of a new year. Samuel, do you want to know what I'm like? It's about the person that wasn't even invited into the room. And you see it again and again in scripture that God is looking to draw in the outsider, the downtrodden, the ones that have given up on themselves, the ones that don't think very much, the ones of themselves, the ones that society kind of puts to the side. And God says, I'll have that one. Jesus dies for the one on the outside the outcast the one that thinks no I don't really fit this is what's coming through this passage he's out there with the sheep somewhere we don't even know where he is his name hasn't even been said he's out there somewhere oh he's just out with the sheep in other words don't bother about him what do you know Sam you don't need to worry about him he's just out there somewhere don't bother See, the Hebrew word that's used for the youngest here can also mean the least or the unimportant or the insignificant. You see, seven in the Bible is kind of the perfect or complete number. So you've got seven sons here. It's kind of complete. This is the complete sons of Jesse. We don't, we don't need this one. He's outside the seven. This is, this is the perfect number. We've got seven. It's symbolism. is speaking to us here. No, no, this is complete. There's seven sons here. This is complete. No, No, there's one more. He's out there somewhere. See, David's outside. He's an outsider and he has to be brought in. And you know what? That can be like some of us. That can be some of our stories in life. We feel like the outsider. We feel like we don't really fit and we have to struggle with it a lot. And God says, No, 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 no. I remember times at school, there was one particular sport I wasn't very good at. And what they used to do in those days was split us into two groups. The two best kids come out and then one by one, they pick who they want in their team. And what happens is the ones that are worst at the sport get left to last. And it's happened to me on more than one occasion. And I tell you, it doesn't feel good. It, I'm not sure they do it anymore, but it doesn't feel good. And you can think, I just, no one wants me. And you kind of get left as the last pick and i there's no one else to hub, so I'll take him. It doesn't feel nice. And I've met people, I've spoken to people where well, that sort of thing has shaped their lives, what's happened to them at school. The sense of being on the outside, the sense of not really fitting. I don't know where I fit in life. I don't, I don't feel accepted by people. I I'm, not, I'm not comfortable. Maybe it was your parents. Maybe you didn't feel acceptance from them. Maybe you didn't even know them. These things can shape us, but God is saying, no, no, I come for the one who's on the outside. That's what I do. I'm looking around. The one who feels left out, the one who's disadvantaged, the one that other people seem to have discarded. That's what this Bible is. That's what this passage is saying to us. See, the God of the Bible comes for those who feel left out and marginalised. Finally, let's come to an example of true beauty as we finish today. See, how does God reach out to rejected people? How does God reach out to people who feel I don't really fit? Well, he comes and dies for them. All this is pointing to the cross. You see, David is like a forerunner of Jesus. He's pointing to Jesus See, in 1 Corinthians 1, 23 and 24, Paul the Apostle is saying, we preach Christ crucified. We preach Christ crucified, but he's a stumbling block to the Jews. He's, he's offensive to the Jews because they thought a Messiah was coming who was going to be a king with a sword and he was going to save them and he was going to throw off the Roman oppressors. Jesus, this crucified Christ, is a stumbling block to the Jews and he's folly to the Gentiles or the Greeks. It's just foolishness. But to those called by God to salvation Christ is the power of God the Jews is a stumbling block he's weak he's like no no we want a king who's going to physically rescue us and Paul's going no the crucified Christ is the power of God this is and he's the wisdom of God he's the wisdom of God to the Greeks who think he's foolish this is nonsense this is true beauty We see in Jesus Christ. See, Jesus, see, David was forgotten by his father. He's kind of left out there somewhere, not named in this passage. Um, But Jesus is forsaken by his father. He's abandoned, scripture says. He's not just left out. He's abandoned at the cross. It says on the cross that Jesus emptied himself for us. Physical appearance, you forget Hollywood movies about Jesus. If we look at Isaiah 53 verse 2, it prophesies, it's speaking hundreds of years before about this Jesus that was to come. It says a lot of things. I encourage you, go and read Isaiah 53. It speaks about this Jesus that's coming. 53 verse 2, it says, He had no form or majesty that we should look at him. No form or majesty that we should look at him. It's not like, wow, look at, look at Jesus get him in the photo let's get the image no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him does that speak now into our age prophesied about Jesus 700 years before he walked the earth no no there's no beauty that we should desire him there's no this isn't about outward appearance it's got nothing to do with outward appearance it's been prophesied by Isaiah This one that's coming, this Messiah, it's not about beauty that we should desire him. The beauty of Christ is found in the inside, the perfect sinless life, his perfect motives, his perfect desire to to submit to the will of the Father and go to the cross for us. This is where the beauty of Christ is, not in his outward appearance. There's nothing to attract us to him. Verse three, it says, and he was as one from whom men hid their faces. I think that's referring to Jesus. When he goes to the cross, it's not pleasant. He's, it's horrible to look at. He is disfigured through beating and punishment. Men hid their faces from him. We, we don't want to look at him. And today we go, it's all about let people look at me. Let me present myself in the best way. And this panelists say to you again at the start of this year think about our lives. Think about what's happening to us. Think about what's happening on the inside. It's what's really important. See, the thing of Jesus, he lost all beauty so that we could have the only beauty that really matters. Let me repeat that. Jesus lost beauty, he lost physical appearance on the cross so that we might receive the only beauty, the one on the inside that really matters. My question to you is, do you see this beauty for yourself? When you accept Jesus, you accept the beauty of his character and his perfect sinless life. You're not accepting a physical appearance, you're accepting the work, the perfect work of Jesus with perfect motives perfect love perfect mercy perfect perfect grace perfect security in his father no guile no trickery no envy no jealousy the perfect inner life of Jesus his perfect sinless life is the beauty that comes to you that you can receive in Christ do you see that for yourself In Ephesians 1, 5, it talks about you're adopted. You're you're made children of God when you accept Jesus. You're adopted into the family of God. And this is important, according to the good pleasure of his will. So God adopts you, what? Because he thinks it's a good thing to do? Because he feels sorry for you? Because he thinks, let's be nice? No, because it was his good pleasure to do it. God is pleased with you to bring you into his family. Feel the pleasure of God today. Know that you're accepted. You're dearly loved. Please take time to stop and think and ponder on the fact that God is pleased with you. He's pleased with you. Accept Jesus into your life. This inner beauty comes to you that is pleasing to the heart of God. It's not to say we don't struggle. We do and we'll finish with this in a moment. Of course we do. But we, we receive something beautiful from Jesus. David says in Psalm 18, verse 19, he brought me into an open place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. See, parents and friends can reject you and that can form your view of God. But I want to say to you today, you're loved. You're seen by God as having inner beauty. And that should destroy the need for you to appear beautiful to others. It's not what this is. You don't need, if you receive the beauty of Christ, into, in, into your inner self it stops the need for you to put an appearance on outwardly to other people it should destroy that because you know how loved you are by God look at the cross that the cross is a real vision of beauty so if you've accepted Jesus as your savior then the Holy Spirit has always at work to transform you into the image of Christ Paul talks about we struggle with the flesh. This thing we do, things we don't want to do, but the Holy Spirit comes and helps us and walks with us. And and he's aiming to transform us more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. So just as God had to work on the life of David in painful ways, as we'll see in these coming weeks, the same thing is happening with us because we receive Jesus, but we're still battling and doing things we don't want to do. And the Holy Spirit is walking with us daily, hourly, uh, minute by minute. Uh, He's here to help us. He's here to walk through life with us. And the goal is that we become more and more like Jesus in the way we think and the the way we act towards others, the way that we receive love, the way, that we regi- the way that we give out love, the way we show mercy to others. Don't be surprised or dismayed if you hit setbacks or confusion. God is shaping you through the work of the Holy Spirit into the image of Christ. Let God shape you on the inside. Let him transform you into something that is true beauty. Let's continue in worship together.